Hello and welcome to this episode of the newly titled Latter-day Saint Mission Cast. That's right, we are doing our little, very simple part to follow the prophet by changing our name from LDS to Latter-day Saint Mission Cast. This is going to be our first episode under that new title, if you will. And what we have as our guest is a missionary, a sister missionary, that served in my home ward here in West Valley City, Utah, where I do a lot of podcasting and where I live. And she served in our ward, and I wanted to have her come in because she has a unique perspective on her calling here to to the Salt Lake Valley, which is one of those mission calls that doesn't seem to always go over super well with people. We also have some insights from her on how she has been able to stay and remain active in the church after returning home from her mission and being home for a couple of years now. And she actually returned to live back here in the Salt Lake Valley, and we have some of her story about that. It was one of those interviews that uh, I wasn't entirely sure what was going to come of it. I just knew her, and we were friends on Facebook, and what came out surprised me, pleasantly so, and so I wanted to share that episode and that interview with you. Our guest on this episode goes by the name T, T Howard. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's get to know you before your mission real quick. Where did you, where did you leave to serve a mission from? So originally I was uh, born and raised in Georgia. What part? Right in between Atlanta and Augusta. Okay. It's a small, really small town called, I lived on a borderline of Crawfordville and Union Point. So it was very, it was a small, tight-knit community. Okay. I, I grew up in my experiences of the South being very rich and wonderful, and I really love and enjoy the South as much as its issues and problems, but I still love it. Yeah. So. Have you been a member of the church your whole life, or were you a convert at some point? So I was baptized at eight, Okay. Um, but I was born to a single parent. Um, it was just my mom, my brother, and then me. My mom actually joined the church in her 20s, went less active, came back to the church after she had kids. Okay. And how, how long did you know you were going to be a missionary? Or was it kind of a, I'm at that age, I'm just going to give it a shot? Or did you always want to be a missionary? So people would ask, you know, occasionally some people would be like, oh, do you want to go on a mission? But that was like 21 at the time, you know, the oh, age okay. was 21. And so I'm like, who knows what I'm doing when I'm 21? Like people could be married. I was, and I always go to the kind of dark side. Like I could be dead by the time I'm doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess you know it's a possibility. Some people don't make it to the twenty one. So I didn't know. Like yeah. I didn't have a answer. I wasn't one of those primary kids saying yes, I'm going on a mission. Instead, it was more of when he made the announcement. When Thompson Swanson made the announcement and was like, "We're gonna lower the age." I kind of just got a feeling and a thought. You should go. He's talking to you. Cool. And so that's why. So this was around 2013? Yeah. Can't remember exactly, but uh, so this this ends up changing your life plans. You decide to go. and I don't know if it changed the plans. So at the time, I was uh, actually doing, uh, and I was in a tech school for welding. Oh, okay. That I really enjoyed, but I really liked 
more of the art side of welding, not necessarily the working side of welding. Gotcha. So I was in that crossroad of do you continue to do welding or do you learn and then find something else to do? Okay. So it's kind of a great time. Yeah. A little bit of freedom there. So you do end up putting in your papers and... What was the mission call? I think that our mission where I live changed a couple times. So what was your original call? So I was called to the Salt Lake City West mission. Okay. Uh, It was a pilot mission, and it had been created because there was such a flow of missionaries at that time, or a little bit before, and especially during that time, that they're like, okay, we need more, you know, smaller missions so that we can have something for these missionaries to do. And so that was, like, their goal and— but we were also piloting certain materials, so we had iPads, one of the first seven, I think, uh, that they did throughout the United States. And so because of that, uh, that's why they considered it to be a pilot mission. Gotcha. Some people had iPhones, yeah. But it did, did it stay that mission the whole time, or did it switch? No, so about six months after I got home, it became bigger. Yeah. <laughs> so that was after you left, though? Yes, Okay, so while we're on talking about your mission, one of the fun parts of this podcast, I hope, for people is that they get a variety of experiences from people that served. So Salt Lake has kind of a reputation of a mission call that some people are just kind of, let's just say, disappointed maybe when they get that call or wonder what they're going to be doing. What was your experience getting a call to Salt Lake City? And then how did that expectation manifest itself when you got here? So that's always a fun one that people like to ask, especially like tons of people ask that on the mission. How did you feel about your call? So I was in an institute before my mission, and there was another girl who opened her call, or at least, you know, announced to us in, in institute Got it. that this is where I'm going to go. And she actually was going to Ogden. Okay. And so when she opened, when she announced, I'm going to Ogden, Utah, I just got a thought or feeling, and it was like, you'll be going to Utah as well. Really? And so I kind of already knew where I was going. <laughs> and so when I got the call, it was my mom and my aunt um, because we kind of wanted, you know, the only members of my family is my mother, my brother and me. And so my aunt not being a member, and we are like, we kind of want to share this experience with you. And so I opened my call, and it says Salt Lake City West Mission. And it says Utah. And she goes, oh, and she just it was interesting because her reaction was probably my reaction was very "Mm -hmm, i already knew that my mother's was oh okay and hers was oh i have no idea anything about that state like nothing (laughs) not a clue (laughs) um she may have heard some things maybe on like tv or something like that but you know did she even know that was kind of the headquarters of the church I'm not sure if she did. Oh, okay. Um, I'm not really sure that anyone in my family did, except especially like the older ones. Maybe some of the younger ones were like, isn't that like a Mormon state? You know, some things like that. Um, it was actually me going and talking to ward members and stake people, like anyone that would ask, you know, if they heard or if they knew about it. And it was always the ones that were from Utah, now living in Georgia. I would tell them, oh, I'm going to you know, Salt Lake, you know, west side of Salt Lake, and their faces would be like, oh, um, well, good luck. And I was always <laughs> like, wow, that just turned from, oh, my goodness, I'm excited about you going on a mission to, 
ooh. Why should I be scared? Good luck. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and that was almost every single person. I didn't have anyone, especially that was from Utah, now living in in Georgia. None of them were like, oh, yeah, you'll you'll love it there, you know, or you'll learn a lot, or it'll be a great experience. None of the typical, you know, emotions that you expect someone yeah. to have when you or say, you I'm going to, on a mission. Yeah, it's like... And and so people were either sad or they were warning me, you know, like, oh, well, they'll either hate you or they'll love you. And I was like, oh, really? Okay. Yes. I had a couple people tell me that. They were like, they'll either hate you or, they, or they'll love you. And That's I was like, somewhat, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. A little scary, but. Uh... Yeah. They, a lot of warnings is what people gave me or a lot of concerning faces I, I saw. Was it for your safety? I don't know if it was for my safety because. Like, even here, so me being being black in the state, the first ward I went to, the people would stare. So, like, my first companion introduced me as her new companion to, you know, ward members and investigators sure. and everything like that. And all of their faces were like, oh, she's black. You know, there's kind of that, like, that stare of... Okay. Okay. One of them, I really enjoyed her reaction, and you can tell. I could tell that she wasn't born and raised in Utah with Utah mentality. Okay. Because when my companion says, "This is my new companion," she looks at me and goes, "Yeah, I can tell." <laughs> <laughs> Just like it's kind of obvious that the she's a new companion. It it's a completely different person, and obviously not the blonde-haired companion you had before. So her her reaction was very refreshing, and the fact that it, it didn't make me feel like I was an outcast okay. and that I shouldn't have been there. She was just kind of really comfortable with it. And so that was nice. Um, the other ones were we were teaching a Hispanic family, and he was from California. So he saw me, and he was like, oh, my goodness, thank you. Like, hi, how are you doing? Like, <laughs> let me get to know you. <laughs> so it, it was in the beginning especially like coming out, there was that nervous side of how are people going to react. Okay. But I wasn't trying to focus on that. That wasn't my like main focus. I was just trying to focus on learning, you know, the material, learning what I needed to know, and I figured the rest would come. You know, it's interesting that this to hear this side of it because we often think of people, you know, when they go to Europe or Russia or these other places where it's a very different culture from their own, that they feel like they stand out too. But we don't often think of people coming to Salt Lake City and standing out. Yes. <laughs> it does it does happen. So but I guess as you're going through and I one of the I don't know if you want to call this a, a common opinion is that everybody in Utah is Mormon, so who do you teach the gospel to? Right. One of the things that I've found, because I'm not originally from the west side of Salt Lake City, I'm from California. I found that at least the west side of Salt Lake City doesn't fit that particular stereotype. There is a lot of people that are not members of the church. So when you were doing your missionary work, did you ever feel like it was hard to find people to teach or was there a lot of people to teach? So my mission being a pilot mission, we focused on reactivations oh, okay. quite a bit. Uh, and that was something that typically missionaries just focused on you know, bringing people into the church and, you know, non-members. But we focused on reactivations of people who had fallen away. And we also focused on, um, we also, well, we tried to deal with referrals because okay. there's so many members here, you know, like there's a church on every block. 
So why not take those members and take the neighbors and be like, okay, hi, like, let us get to know you so you can introduce us to your neighbors because hopefully you've been friendly enough with them and they don't hate the church because of you kind of situation. (laughs) Right, you haven't been a bad example. Exactly. So that was two main things that helped, I feel like, in that we weren't just focusing. Of course, if, you know, you know your neighborhood, you also know who's not a member and you know who's less active. And so many people had lived there forever that they could even tell us, okay, these people hate the church and these are the reasons why and let me just tell you the history and so you could go to one house on a street and find out literally everything about the people on their street and so that made it that made it not as focused just on baptisms which I enjoyed I found that for me personally I seem to work better with reactivations like people who had kind of fallen away and then i would come in and be like okay well why like give me like the information like i want to understand you whereas my companions always seem to be really good with like the people who you know weren't you know didn't know anything about the church and so it was always a nice balance me and my companions how we like kind of worked with that how we would lead in certain discussions or with certain people so it was it was really nice. Um, we did find a couple, like, golden people to be baptized. And you have to think that there's so many people also coming into Utah from other locations, even yeah. if it's just for a short period of time. You know, it doesn't have to be forever. Um, but when when they do come in and they can feel that that spirit, and there's more missionaries here, too. Like, I see missionaries walking all the time. We're back home you occasionally saw them, but yeah. oftentimes they're driving, which makes it harder for them to kind of just stop and say, hey, how are you doing? How can I help? It was kind of great, but it was always easy to find both investigators and because we focused on reactivations, definitely easy to find reactivations. It's tons. So one of the things that I wanted to have you in to talk about is you're, you're obviously you're off your mission now and have been for a couple of years. And we we're Facebook friends, and I had, I've been following you since you've been home from your mission, and I have been impressed that you stay active. You still continue to share gospel messages on social media and things like that. And to be kind of blunt, there is an issue with missionaries staying active after they come home. So what have been some of the things—now, you, you went back home to Georgia, then you decided to come back here to Utah— so what were some of the things that helped you transition returning home from being a missionary? Let's start off with that. A lot of things they have now to help missionaries transition, they didn't have then. Okay. So like for what? For so example? just certain things that I've heard of, I don't really know exactly, but apparently there's like um, a booklet or something yeah, that they actually, now, yeah. yeah, that was not around none of that information. It was more like, um, you're going home. We're going to go to the temple. You're going to talk to your mission president. Uh, he gave me a blessing, and we were like, cool, have fun. So they, you, you went home with that. That was There was no instruction manual. In basically, system. there okay. is nothing really—there There were some missionaries that were very proactive in finding things. Some of them already knew they were going to come back to Utah, and so they made plans to have things already set, okay. you know, like driver's license or just kind of whatever— to help them get back to Utah more easily. And I was like, all right, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. So thank you. It's been a great mission. I appreciate it. I learned a lot. 
now what? <laughs> I also knew that I was going back to a home where my mother would need my help, um, but I wouldn't have a job. We live about 30 minutes away from anything job-wise. And so my mother finally got a job that was close and it was like 45 minutes away. That was amazing. Like 45 minutes for her was good because she always had to commute. And I knew gotcha. I would have to commute, but you don't really commute well with one vehicle. Right. <laughs> and especially if you work in different directions. So I knew it would be hard to find uh, work or continuing education uh, because where I was going to school before was the opposite direction of where my mother was working. Gotcha. And we had one vehicle. So I was like, well, what am I going to do? So I didn't really have a plan. There was no roadmap for you. Not at all. There's no direction. It was literally wherever you want to go, go for it, see what happens. My mother, as much as she loves us, she's wonderful. <laughs> but it was kind of hard to be back in that situation. Okay. Being back, living with my mother, and my mother expecting me to be a certain way, expecting some great change, uh, anticipating this, just I'm going to be perfect when I get back. And what she got was the daughter who was kind of the same as before. Because I, it feels like I, revert, I reverted back to that same, I'm now living back at home with my mother, which is what I was doing for the last okay. you know, 19, 20 years of my life. And so that's what I fell back into. And and it was, I noticed about a month in that that was very detrimental. My mother actually got upset at something that I did. And I was like, why are you angry at me? This is the same thing. Like these situations that we had before, I went on a mission. And that's when she kind of got upset and she just said everything that mm. she was feeling. And I was kind of like, okay, this isn't going to really work if you feel like I'm supposed to be this amazingly different person. When, granted, I have grown, but it's not the kind of growth that you can just say, oh, yeah, I can see it. It's definitely there in her everyday living. It was there when it came to spiritual things. Um, I would share, I would teach my mom some of the lessons that we would teach to, you know. Sure. The And so she enjoyed those and she loved those. But it was like, mom, I'm still going to do the same cleaning and things that I did before. But. She would expect me to go like 10 extra steps that I'm like, mom, I'm not a mind reader. I can't know everything you want me to do. You know, okay. she's expecting me to come back as this person who, and it, and it's hard to explain because she couldn't really explain it. It was just something that she expected. You know, sure. she didn't expect me to still be uh, in my pajamas at noon. <laughs> I'm like, okay, but I didn't wake up at 6.30 either, mother. (laughs) I'm not really doing those things anymore. And I didn't have anywhere to go. There was no vehicle. And the school I went to was 15 minutes away from our house. So we didn't really travel. Like, we really lived out in the woods, the sticks, the country, the boondocks, like the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And so, yeah, I was going to be in my pajamas all day long. (laughs) It's just, I I didn't have any plans. I wasn't going anywhere. But she still expected me to be in that. Waking up at 6.30, you know, having things to do. But I didn't have anything to do. So how did you eventually kind of find some, I would call it direction, that you made some conscious decisions to do something else? So when my mom got upset and just let out all of her anger and frustration, I realized what she expected. I knew something was, that's when I realized that something was wrong and it couldn't be fixed by me staying there. Okay. I knew I had to leave. 
by leaving, I didn't know where I was going to go. But that's where prayer and study was definitely going to come in. So at that point, I started looking at schools because I wanted to continue education. I love learning. As I was looking for schools, I found tons of different schools, but I didn't like any of them, and I didn't want to pay for any of them. They're expensive. And I didn't even know if I wanted to. I don't. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So why pay for something? I don't even know if that's what I want. Instead, I, I don't really know what drove me to look at the LDS Business College. I knew I didn't want to go to BYU in Provo. I didn't think I would get into BYU Hawaii. Also, I had heard it was expensive <laughs> to oh, like Hawaii live in Hawaii. Expensive. Yes. So then it was really just the LDS Business College or BYU Idaho. And so I was looking at different programs that the business college had, and one of them was paralegal. And it kind of stuck out. My mother has always done criminal justice all while growing up. She finally got a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. And I was like, that's something I already know about. It's something that I already love and cherish. I understand it. Grew up with it almost. And so paralegal, I was like, let's try that. Let's see where that road goes. Okay. So you are you are active. Mm. You are very vocal, at least online, about your beliefs. And you are in a situation, I, I want to call it a minority position, but I don't, I don't really know the numbers, of missionaries that stay active, pass their mission for a certain number of years. You're not married, right? No. And so there's that too, I would assume, that, that there's yes. some, some thoughts, maybe even some expectations or pressures that you might feel. I don't know. I know that we were kind of given those expectations when I got home from my mission. But uh, how have you been able to... I, I guess it, I don't want to make it sound like you've got some magic wand, but how is it that you have stayed active? Basics. What do you mean by basics? Praying, but not just that, you know, prayer that they say doesn't get past the ceiling, but like actually pouring out your heart to to Heavenly Father. Uh, reading scriptures, not just reading, the, but pondering, you know, going for that deeper knowledge. And if that means you have to go to institute and make become best friends with the institute teacher and just pick their brain for every information they have, then yeah, that's, I love institute. Another one is, so the main, I guess another thing, main things that keeps me in Utah is that there's institute everywhere. Yeah. I can just walk into, I can walk into a school and go, I want to go to institute. And they're like, yeah, okay. We have them these times, you know, just pop on by. Um, so access. I Yeah, and, and I love Institute. Institute Seminary was always one of those things. I would say seminary is more, I wouldn't say I loved it, but I did. Like deep down, I actually wanted to be there. I loved learning about the scriptures, no matter what, especially coming from the Bible Belt. I actually studied, before my mission, I studied the Bible and then I realized I was going to Utah and no one knew what a Bible was, <laughs> or at least it was scarce. <laughs> so I needed to freshen up on the Book of Mormon. But it was wonderful having Institute, having the temples that I could go to and being able to go to church. I You have to make, so those things they talk about in primary, you have to be converted to the simple things. The simple things being the scriptures, the Book of Mormon, the Bible, the simple things being praying, the simple things being going to church every Sunday. That's a big one. Yeah. That's a real big one. I noticed that if you 
stop going one Sunday. If you miss one Sunday, you're, you know, kind of, it, it makes it so much easier not to go the next Sunday. Not partaking of the sacrament weakens the spirit and not feeding it. It's really just not feeding the spirit. When you stop okay. feeding that spirit, you lose access to the spirit because, you know, it's kind of like if you stop feeding yourself, it's going to be a really short period before yeah. you lose yourself. <laughs> now that you've, I guess, been home for a few years and, and your life is on a path, if you were to pick a favorite companion, no, just kidding. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. If you were to... Easy. <laughs> give, <laughs> if you were to give advice to a missionary that is preparing to serve or even a member that is wondering how to best be a missionary... What would that advice be? Beautiful question. Take your time if you need to. <laughs> Is there just one? No, there's not one thing. But what would be one thing? <laughs> My first thought, for some reason, is communication. Okay. Meaning what? Yeah, that's another great question. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I think communication means uh, talking to the missionaries. I think... It's when it comes to, like, a member missionary. Sometimes we forget that no one's really perfect at communicating. Okay. Not not perfectly. Um, especially when they're missionaries who are so young. They do not have that down to a science yet. They They aren't <laughs> the greatest with the communication. And I think sometimes it's just that that barrier of the communication that would be easier to have. Okay. Uh, you mentioned companions, and I think the companions that I loved the most, I communicated with the most, and we connected on something. Communicating in everything, because you're going to be with this person. I was with most of my companions for a very long time, and so I loved getting to know them and about them, the history of them. And by doing so, I think we worked very well together together. Because I knew them, they knew me. And because we had a connection, therefore we could teach something that we felt very strongly about. Same with when you bring in um, a member to then, you know, help. Or if the member, you know, is leading it and just wants the missionaries to kind of back them up or help them out. It's still that communication, especially beforehand, before you're going into a situation. And then once you're in the situation making sure that, you know, things are, that you hit the points that you talked about, you know, that things are clear. And if they're not, that there's a pause and saying, okay, well, what do you need from us kind of situation. And then afterwards also communicating what went well, what could we change? A lot of it, I would say, is communication. Okay. And trying to be better ward missionaries and trying to be better, you know, missionaries in general. It's just Communicate. You have a frustration. Communicate that. You have you have so many people that you can talk to. You know, they give you zone leaders. They give you sister training leaders. They give you district leaders. Now, so many leaders that <laughs> you have tons of people to talk to. If, if, if you feel that maybe your companion you can't talk to, then you can go to them. But the goal, of course, in the companionship is to talk to the companion. Yeah. So the communication that builds unity. Yes. Unity of effort. And all that kind of stuff. Well, that's great. I like that. You don't really have, like some of our guests, you don't exactly have like a pet project you're a part of, per se, where you need to give a website or a plug or anything. But uh, (laughs) all the same, you know, I appreciate you coming in and sharing your experience and 
some of the things that helped you stay active after you came home, because that is a challenge, and some of the experiences that you had serving here in Salt Lake, which there's a lot of people that do get called here, and expectations or whatever can throw people off. And so thank you so much for coming in and sharing both sides of your, your life experience. I appreciate it. Thank you. It was nice. We have some other great guests coming up, and I'm really excited to share those with you as well. Hope you've been enjoying the Latter-day Saint Mission Cast, and uh, please again share it with your friends, share it with people preparing to serve, those on a mission. I also want to put in a plug for our blog at ldsmissioncast.com. We have been sharing missionary letters from the field and the great testimonies that some of these missionaries that have gone out into the field but were previous guests on the Mission Cast have sent in their letters weekly and we're posting more and more of those as they come in. There's such great testimonies, wonderful stories from all over the world. And uh, we have a guest coming up next week that is going to be another missionary preparing to serve and he was called to Armenia. And so his call is going to be very interesting to see as he sends in letters and we will continue to post those on our blog. So please go to ldsmissioncast.com and take the time to look at those letters They're pretty neat, great stories. None of them are really long or anything, but they're really great stories. But if you follow us on social media, especially Facebook, where we post most of our content, you will also get to see links to those articles as they come up. So thank you again for following the Latter-day Saint Mission cast, and uh, we hope you tune in next time.